So we've been talking about this of discovering our destiny, and we, we talked about tools in our life that God uses so that we can find God's destiny for us. And then we started not only now knowing the tools, but the steps that we take if we're going to use these tools that God has given us. And uh, we said the, the first step that we really take when it comes to discovering God's will for our life is to refuse to trust ourselves. That's the first step that you take in discovering what God wants for your life. But along with that, we find that not only are we needing to refusing to trust ourselves, but we need as well to surrender to God's will completely, to surrender to God's will completely. Uh, and so uh, we, we asked the question, why do some people resist God's will? And we said this, we said, number one, because it is vague. And sometimes people say, well, I can't ever find it. I can't ever know it. It's just vague. It's out there. Some people resist God's will because it seems to be a threat to their dreams. And we say, well, we know what we want to be and we, what we want to do in our life. And if we surrender to God's will, maybe he won't let me live out the dream that I have for my life. So we refuse God's will. Sometimes we resist God's will because it can be a frustrating quest. Uh, we say, man, it's almost like an Easter egg hunt, and you're trying to look for signs, and you're trying to, uh, trying to find out, well, oh, how am I going to know God's will, and, and what if I miss it, and, and, and the whole time you're living a life of worry, worrying about what if I miss it, what if I didn't see it, what if I, what if I live a, my whole life and never find God's destiny, and it's kind of this adventure that you're never going to find and you're never going to conquer, and, and so why live frustrated like that so that you just resist it? And then some, we said, resist God's will because we do not understand how good God's plans are. And we feel like our plans will be better than God's plans. Like we can really know what is going to make us happy more than God would know how to make us happy. And so because of that, we kind of begin to resist God's will. We don't really want to find God's will because of that. So this is why many people resist. But what is God's will? We asked the question, where, what is God's will? And this one was pretty long, but some of the truths that we found about God's will is this. God's will, we said, is good. It's something good for us. And in Matthew, uh, Jeremiah chapter 24, God shares what his desire, his heart, his will is with the people of Israel. And in that, we find a lot about what God's will entails for us. We said that God's will is good. But we also learn that God's will is his plan to bless you. The word bless means happy, to make you happy. God's plan to make you happy is what we call God's will. We said God's will is his plan to lead you and to guide you in life. Uh, when you say, well, God is leading me in my life, what we're saying is this is God's will. It's, it's, it's what, what we would say is, what is God's plan as you move forward in life. And it's the way he leads you and guides you. We said God's will is his plan to provide for you. Anything that you're lacking in life will be provided by God. And that provision we call God's will, whether that's wisdom, whether that's uh, what decision to make, whether that's health, whether that's um, financial prosperity, whether that's success in school or in business. All that is a provision of God. We call that God's will. And then we said, God's will is his plan to give you true success. 
And we, we said that the Bible defines success very differently than our world defines success. And so when we're talking about God's will, we're talking about what God calls successful. Then we said God's will is never painless or problem-free. We say if you're going to follow God's will, there's going to be bumps in the road. In fact, the Bible says, and all that will live godly shall suffer per- persecution. So if you want to do God's will, if you choose to do God's will in your life, just understand it's not going to be problem-free. It's not going to be painless. It's not going to be something that costs you nothing. In fact, Jesus told those that would follow him to take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. He was saying that there's a price to be paid, and God's will is never painless. Then we said that God's will is never effortless or easy. In other words, by doing nothing, suddenly I'm going to be doing God's will. That's not how God's will works. It doesn't mean, well, I don't need to go to school because I'm going to live God's will. God's will involves you going to school. It doesn't mean we don't have to do anything and God does everything. No, God works and we work. That's how we fulfill God's will in our life. It's not something that he does like if we're his robots, but God has given us a will, a choice. And you can decide and you choose to do and to follow God's will. And then we said God's will is the only path to full and abundant joy in life. The only way. You won't find true fulfillment, true purpose, and anything else other than, and I'm talking about as a Christian. By the way, the Bible says that as, as people that are not saved, people that are not Christian, they never find any kind of joy. They might find something temporary. They might find something that, oh, is fun for a little while, but they never really try, find lasting joy. They really don't understand what an abundant life is because that is only reserved for those that follow God's will. And the only way that you can experience an abundant life, a joyful life, is doing God's will. Then we said God's will brings purpose to every trial in your life. And there will be trials. There are difficulties in life. There are testings in life. And we, we talked a little bit about that, but when you read the, the life of Moses or Abraham or Joseph, all the testings and trials that they had in their life, they didn't know how it was going to end. They just had to trust that this was God's will. And when things happen in your life, you don't know the end of the story, just like I don't know the end of my story. But when a trial comes into my life, I have to believe God's will is in this. God's will works even through trials of life. And it's important for you and I to believe that there is a purpose for the trial that God is allowing in your life. You said, uh, you might ask, well, well is, there, is there a purpose when God takes a loved one? Is there a purpose in that? If my uncle passes away early or my father or my mother, is there a purpose for that? Can I say to you tonight, there is. I think if you would have asked Job that, at first it would probably have been hard for him to say, yes, but there was. He lost all his children. He said, was that God's purpose? Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And after that, the Bible says that Job did not, he, he didn't cause God or blame God for what was happening. In fact, he accepted, if you read the book, you find that 
Job had to learn, you know what, this was what God had. He said, it wasn't what I would have chosen, but he had to come to the realization that God is sovereign. God is bigger than me. God is bigger than my plans. God is bigger than what I think should be. And for a lot of the book, Job is saying, I don't know why God's not listening to me. If God would just listen to me, if he would understand what I'm going through, then maybe he can help me. He said, I looked for God up high, and I didn't find him. I looked to my left and to my right, and he wasn't there. I looked down, and he, did, he, he never came to me. Job felt, you know, alone in life. Even when he was in the middle of God's will, he felt alone. There might come times in your life, and let me tell you, you might be going through a time like that in your life where you feel like God's not listening. But the fact of the matter is what God wants you to learn through that trial is that he has a purpose. And you may not know the purpose right then and there. I don't think Job ever understood the purpose of why his children were taken from him, his first seven children. I don't think God ever told him. At least the Bible never tells us that God ever told him why. The Bible never says that God even told Job that Satan was trying to test him and trying to discourage him. Job didn't know that. I don't think the whole life, Job's whole life, he never knew that. But Job understood one thing. When trials come into my life, God's will has a purpose for it. And you and I have to understand when, when, when trials come into our life, God's will has a purpose for it. And then we learned this. We said God's will brings provision to every need in your life. No matter what needs you have, God's will always brings the provision for it. Then we said God's will is the only path to a life with no regrets. It's the only path to a life with no regrets. And young people, as you get older, you're going to find, and you've probably maybe already met someone that has regrets in life. I know I've met quite a few people. I've met people that, that tell me, I wish I hadn't done that when I was a teenager. But they can't turn back the hands of time. So I wish I wouldn't have gotten in that relationship, but it's too late. I wish I wouldn't have gone and done that thing. I wish I wouldn't have said that to that person, but I did. But can I tell you, young people, anytime you're living God's will, you won't have those kinds of moments. You won't look back and go, oh, my word, I don't know why I went to church that Wednesday night. You won't look back and say, man, I don't know why I spent time in prayer, praying for my classes, praying for wisdom. You never look back and say, man, I, I don't know why I loved people and had compassion and forgave people. You know, you find a lot of times people on their deathbed or when a loved one passes away, you'll find that sometimes people say, I, I never got to forgive them. I wish I had. I wish I would have told them while they were, while they were alive and close to me that I loved them. But now they're gone. You see, when you're doing God's will, you'll let people know that you love them. When you're living in God's will, then you forgive people when they when they sin against you or do something to offend you. And when they understand that you forgive them and that you love them, you, have never, you never regret that in your life. God's will is the only path to a life with no regrets. Then we ask the question, well, then how does God reveal his will? How does God reveal his will? We said, well, God, first of all, always reveals his will. It's not a matter of if, if God would just show me. No, God always shows you. 
His will. Always. There's never been a person to say, God, will you show me your will, where God just stayed silent and said, I'm not going to show you. God always shows and reveals his will. But God reveals his will in bite-sized pieces. We said God doesn't reveal the whole plan to us. First of all, we couldn't handle the whole plan. And second of all, that's not how God works. God just gives you a little bit at a time, just what you can handle. God gives us just a glimpse as to what decision we need to make today for tomorrow. In Matthew 6, 34, it says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself, but worry about today. Finding God's will is all about today. That's the bite-sized piece that God will show you. God will show you this is what you need to do today. It'll prepare you for tomorrow if you make this decision today. Listen, there's a, there's a principle that you need to learn right now at your age as a teenager, and that is this. You're living today the decisions that you made yesterday. And you're going to live tomorrow the decisions that you make today. That's always going to be true. No matter if you're 15, 25, or 35, you're going to live 45 the decisions that you made at 35. You're going to live at 25, young people, the decision you're making right now at 15. You live those consequences. You see, the Bible says that we always reap what we sow. And if you know anything about gardening, if you know anything about you know, plant life or vegetable life, you know that once you plant a seed, it doesn't grow by the next day. You don't plant tomatoes seeds and have tomatoes in, tw- in 24 hours. It doesn't work that way. But if you plant the seed and you water it, over time, it'll begin to sprout and grow and give you tomatoes. That's how life works. It's the same thing with decisions. You make a decision now, you don't always see the consequence of it. In fact, you might make a decision now, and you might suffer for it. You might make a decision at school to say, I'm going to take my Bible, or I'm going to take time to pray. And you might be made fun of in that moment. Or you might have a teacher mock God's word and make fun of it in the moment. But down the road, that decision begins to bear its fruit. That decision begins to bring its blessings with it. So understand this evening, God reveals his will just in bite-sized pieces. That's why it's so important to follow his will today. God reveals, we said, his will by faith, not by sight. God says, I want you to believe me before I show you. We live in a world that says, show me so I can believe you. Show me the evidence and then I'll say if that's true or not true. God says, believe me and then I can show you. Believe me of what I'm doing and then you'll find the joy. It all comes by faith. The life of a Christian is a life of faith. It's just a life of believing. You say, well, if I do this, what's going to happen? I don't know, but I know that God's in control. And I know what God has promised. And based on what God has said and what God has promised, I'm going to go ahead and make this decision. That's every decision in life when when it comes to the Christian life and God's will. It's always revealed by faith. And then this, God only leads those with willing hearts. We ended last week saying God 
only shows those His will that are willing to follow Him. God's not going to show you His will in any other way without you choosing. He doesn't force anybody to do anything. So, knowing what God's will is and answering these questions, let's give some quick applications. Knowing how God reveals His will, knowing what God's will is, knowing why sometimes people resist God's will, what do we learn from this? What are some things that we can apply even today? Well, this is the thing that we want to talk about first. Oh, is there one? There's one more. I'm sorry. God promises to lead you in His will. Sorry. And God's condition is that you must be leadable. And if you're leadable, God promises to guide you. In the last question of how God reveals His will is God promises to lead you. Your condition is that you must be leadable. And that if you are leadable, God promises to guide you. So what do we learn from that? Number one, God's will must be first in your life. Seek God's will first. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first. And the key word there is first. Can I ask you something this evening? What are you seeking in life? Because every, everyone in here, we're seeking something. We're seeking something. You say, well, I, I'm, you know, Pastor, I'm not, I mean, I'm only 13. What are you, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm not even in college. I haven't even finished high school yet. But you know, even at 13, you're seeking something. And if you're in high school, you're seeking something. Sometimes what we're seeking is something invisible. It, it might be something that you, you can't really uh, touch, per se. It's nothing uh, that you can buy. Some things that we, we might be seeking uh, today is, is something that's, that can't really be, be touched. Maybe it's like a relationship. Or maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it is something that you can grasp. Maybe it's like a driver's license or a car or a job. Or maybe it's something like popularity, prestige, friendships. I don't know. But everybody in here is seeking something. And if you're not, you need to be. I hope you're not just being a bum at home. You ought to be something, you ought to be seeking for something. But in all of your seeking, God's word says, just make the priority, make the priority God. It's not wrong to seek financial success. In fact, God says the person that doesn't work shouldn't eat. So there's a principle that God says you need to find a job. That's nothing bad to be seeking. You ought to seek friendships. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. The Bible says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. It's a good thing to have friends. I hope you're seeking to have friends. That's a good thing in life. But the Bible also says that shouldn't be the first thing you're seeking. It shouldn't be the first thing you're seeking. It's not bad to have a relationship. But anytime a relationship in life takes priority over God, then it becomes bad. So the principle that we can apply tonight, knowing what God's will is, is and seeing how it's revealed, then we need to make a decision tonight to say, I'm going to seek God's will first in my life. You see, 
God is pleased when we seek his will. He's pleased with that. That's what God wants. God wants us to be seeking his will. In fact, God commands you and me to seek him. That's what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek ye first. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God commands you and me to seek him. Hebrews 11 teaches us that God rewards those who seek him. The Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So not only does God want you to seek after him, God says, I will reward you if you do. Beyond that, let me tell you something. When you put God first, God begins to lead you as you seek him. That's when God begins to speak to you. God begins to say, uh, this is what I want for your life. This is what you need to do. These are the decisions that you need to make. These are the friends you need to drop. These are the things that you need, the decisions that you need to begin to have in your life. This all comes as God begins to lead you as you seek Him. What else happens when you seek God's first? Well, God is pleased by those that seek Him. You find that God is pleased with you as you seek Him. And can I just say this? If God is not your first priority, He may as well be your last. Because you see, All that I'm talking about, this joy, God's blessing, purpose in life, peace in life, it can only, you can only experience that. You can only know what that feels like. You can only live that if God is first in your life. There's no other way. There's no other way. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It only comes as God is the center of your life. It's amazing to me talking with people that I've grown up with, that I went to school with, and they have no peace in life, and they're looking for it in their job, and they're looking for it in many places, and it's interesting to me that they never come to the conclusion that the problem is that they've not made God first in their life. They've made their job a pretty high priority in their life. Some of my friends that are not living God's will have made family very high priority in their life. And some of them have good families. But they don't have God's blessing. They don't have purpose and peace. They don't have joy in their life. They have a good family life, but you know, a good family life doesn't bring God's peace into your life. It doesn't bring joy. They have a good job and they're, they have a nice career, but they don't have joy in their life. You see... God has to be the center of your life if you're going to experience the joy in life. That's why you've got to seek God's will first. You've got to seek God's will first. But the question comes, how? How should a person seek God? How? Well, first of all, the way we seek God is, number one, read, study, and meditating on God's word. Read, study, and meditate on God's Word. Listen, read everything in Scripture that you can find about God's leading and God's will. Do studies. Do, uh, begin to, to examine and, and maybe read about the life of Moses. Just read his story two or three times. And say, God, what did you do in Moses' life that relates to me? Read Joseph's life. Just do, just do a little study. 
Maybe read Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50. It's 13 chapters. And in 13 chapters of the Bible, you can read all the, the life of Joseph. And I would, I would encourage you, just do a study and begin to write down things in Joseph's life that you say, man, that's kind of like what I'm going through. Some principles about what God did in Joseph's life that you would say, man, God, if you could do that with me, I'd love that. Just start to read and saturate yourself in God's word. Meditate on God's word. Secondly, I would say walk with God in prayer. And I mean, when I say walk with God, I mean literally walk with God in prayer. I don't know if you've done this, but I encourage you to do it. I've done this on many occasions, but uh, if you're like me, sometimes if you've had a long day or if you get up kind of early or whatever, sometimes you get on your knees to start praying and you can easily fall asleep. Does that happen to anybody, or am I the only one that's happened to, by the way? I'm just curious. Okay. You really can. You, you get into a position, and you're just so tired, and, and uh, I've done that many times, and, and you know, before you know it, I, I wake up, and I'm like, oh, I was praying. What, <laughs> what happened? Um, and, and the reason is you, you, you just get in that position. So what is something that you can do to, to kind of to not fall asleep every time? Literally walk and talk with God. I mean, honestly, go into the backyard and just start, just start walking around your backyard. People might think you're crazy, but it's okay. You're crazy anyway. Just get back in the backyard and start walking around your backyard and start talking to God. Literally, you don't have to, you, your prayer doesn't need to be something so extravagant, you know, something like, oh, God of heaven, the majestic, wonderful, you don't have to do all of that. You can just talk to God like you talk to your friend. At least I do. There are times when I'm driving and I'm the only one in the car, and I'll start talking to God as if he's in the passenger seat. Literally. I wonder sometimes if people that are driving next to me think I'm crazy, but I'll, I'll start talking to him. I'm like, God, I got I to gotta go do this today. And uh, man, sometimes I, you know, God, I, sometimes I hate this. I hate having to do all these little errands, and I hate getting off and getting off the car and going in the store and having to buy this. But God, you know that, that we need this right now, so I'm going to do it. Just give me some strength. That's all I'm asking for. Sometimes I, I talk to him about you guys. I said, God, you know, our youth, our youth group is, is going through some things, and God, and I'll, I'll start naming some of your guys' names to him. I'm just talking to him. So, you know, he talked to me about this and this, and God, would you just help them? Help them to have your strength. Help them to not quit on you. Help them to be faithful. Help them at school. Literally just walking in prayer, driving in prayer, doing whatever in prayer. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. It's just to be something that you ought to do with God. Just talk with him. You say, why am I going to do that? Because this is how you seek God, talking to him. Then I would say make church a priority. Make it something important in your life. Don't make Wednesdays a proposition of, well, if I, t- if I have time, I'll go. If I'm not bored, I, I'll, I'll go. If I don't have too much homework, I'll be there. Let me tell you something, young people, because I've seen this happen in 12 years of ministry. I've seen this happen. Teenagers begin to put homework above the priority of just being in God's house. And it isn't long before God's not even anywhere on the top 10 of their priority list at all. It's not long before just coming on Sunday becomes 
iffy for them. You say, well, don't you, don't, doesn't God want us to do good academically? Listen, God says, seek his will first, and then he'll help you academically. It's not, oh, God, I got to make uh, homework a priority of my life so that way you can bless me. No, God says, make me the priority of your life, and then I'll bless you. Then I'll help you with your grades. Then I'll help you with memorizing and remembering what you've learned. That, that's, that comes after making God the priority, not before. A lot of young people have made that mistake of going before and then finding themselves without a lot of joy in life, finding themselves not walking in God's will. Why? They didn't seek Him first. See, seeking God means I got to make church a priority in my life. Then I would say read some good books and some biographies. Read some good books and some biographies of those that have gone before. People like Watchman Nee, he's a Christian in China. Man, he challenged me so much. He lived in the 30s and 40s, and he, uh, he was in prison for over 20 years for being a Christian. Some of the books he read were passages, uh, messages, sermons that he preached. They're amazing. Read a little bit about his life. C.T. Studd was a professional cricket player in England who gave all that up. He was rich, and I'm talking about rich. Gave away all of his money and went as a missionary to China, and then God called him to go to Africa, and he went to Africa and gave his life to the gospel. Read about stories like that, stories like Helen Keller or Corrie ten Boom, who was in a Nazi concentration camp, and one day, years later, after her dad died in the camp and her sister died in the camp, going to those same soldiers that killed her parents and killed her sister and saying, I forgive you. Read biographies of these people that God used, that lived out God's will. Then I would say not only reading good books and biographies, but lastly, listen to good godly music. Put some godly music in your life, music that's going to talk about God's love and God's goodness. Then let me say, deliberately separate from worldly influences. Separate. You know what those things are. You know those things that are dragging you down, those things that are taking you away from God. Get them out of your life. Make a decision. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And lastly, tonight in your notes, surrender to God's will completely. Completely. I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it one more time. You must choose to do God's will before you understand it. If you're waiting to see what God's going to do before you decide if you're going to do what God wants you to do, it's too late. God will never show you. Never. You can pray about it. You can cry about it. You can come to church and ask God about it. And God is going to tell you it doesn't work that way. You need to choose God's will before you understand it. Secondly, God will reveal his will to those who choose to do it. Here's the key word, first. Circle that in your notes, first. God will reveal it if you choose him first. And then lastly, I would say complete surrender to God's will is reasonable Christianity. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Can I just say this evening, 
that you need to just be completely surrendered to God. This is something that's reasonable. Let me, let, let me put it to you this way. Does it make sense for God to show you his will if you're not going to do it? If you have a like a if you have a, like a younger sibling, does it does it make sense for you to teach them how to play a game or how to turn on the TV if they're never going to turn on the TV? By the way, our frustration as young people, real quick as I'm ending, our frustration as young people, don't we get frustrated at that with your parents? Like showing them how to use a phone and you're like, "Why am I even showing you this? You're going to forget by tomorrow." Right? And then the next day you're like, "Mom, I told you you got to hit this button and then this button." Okay, okay. And the next week, it's like, Mom, I told you this button and then this button, right? And it frustrates us. We're like, listen, if you're not going to do this every day, you're never going to learn it. Mom, you've got to use your phone every day. Just get on social media all the time, and then you're going to learn it. It's just the, the key is to do that. And we get so frustrated because we're saying, I'm showing you, and you're not learning. I'm showing you, and you're not learning. And finally, we get to the point, you know what? I'm not even showing you anymore. I'm tired of this. And you never think in your mind, like, oh, that's crazy. Why am, I, why am I stopping showing them when they're not learning? You never think that way. You say, yeah, they're not learning. They don't want to do it, so why am I showing them? Same thing with God, young people. You want, well, what's God's will for my life? Are you going to do it? Well, I don't know. It depends. Well, if you're going to do it, I'll show you. If not, I won't. That's how God works. God's will tonight, God's will simply is asking you to surrender completely. I hope you'll make that decision tonight.